0: And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com where we bring you stories you won't find anywhere else regarding Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Our intrepid journalist is the lovely and talented Linda Stein. Linda, how are you?
1: Great, Michael. How are you?
0: I'm doing terrific, and I look forward to uh, speaking uh, in a few minutes about the results of our Delaware Valley Journal poll. Of the voters in these four swing counties. We're going to chat about that in a minute. But first, uh, big news regarding the attempts to remove Larry Krasner from his job as uh, Philadelphia District Attorney. Representative Craig Williams is a veteran of the Marine Corps. He uh, He made the mistake of attending law school uh, and uh, thus uh, you know, denigrating his standing in the community, alas. But uh, he has been elected state representative here. Uh, and we appreciate you joining us, Representative Williams, for the conversation.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the teasing <laughs> about law school, but I want to make very clear, I used that education to then immediately go into the Marine Corps and be a prosecutor. And when I left, I became a prosecutor with the Department of Justice in both Denver and Philadelphia, um, principally um, working on um, violent offenders, drug gangs, and, um, People who illegally possess guns, and those are convicted felons. And you uh, so, also,
0: and you also represent portions of Chester and Delaware counties. We want people to that's know that. true. Man. And we that's do. True. People who read DVJ know we turn to you often for your insights on legal matters, uh, particularly when uh, a certain managing editor finds himself mistakenly yeah. under arrest by the local constabulary. But we appreciate all your help, yeah, <laughs> Representative man. Williams. So, big picture, what the heck is going on? What did the House try to do, and what are they now appealing?
2: So um, you may recall that at the end of the last session, towards the end of um, 2022, we passed articles of impeachment out of the House, which impeached Larry Krasner, the district attorney of Philadelphia. Um, Seven counts in the articles of impeachment setting out various misbehavior in office, ranging from um, deceit of the grand jury, to um, lying or failing to inform crime victims, lying to the courts, lying to a federal court, lying to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. All these allegations were in the the articles of impeachment. Um, I was appointed one of three um, impeachment managers and named the chairman of the three impeachment managers, two Republicans, one Democrat. I remain in that position Um, in early 2023 this year. Larry Krasner and his lawyers um, filed um, uh, basically objections to the Commonwealth Court, trying to have the whole thing dismissed as a judicial matter. And the Commonwealth Court um, agreed with his argument that the articles of impeachment did not state misbehavior in office. To get to that conclusion, they did no analysis whatsoever, just kind of put blinders on uh, of the underlying conduct, and instead said, because we relied on um, violations of the Supreme Court's ethics rules that we didn't have jurisdiction to enforce ethics rules. Um, so they, did, they didn't they did look at the underlying conduct of deceiving people and deceiving the courts. They just relied on that um, uh, kind of uh, bootstrapped technicality. Right. So in our appeal to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which was due today, we filed it last night, um, we make the argument that We'd never claimed that we were enforcing the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's ethics rules, nor do we claim that we could enforce the state's criminal statutes, but this conduct constitutes crimes also. So what is it do you think we should have to prove to get to misconduct in office beyond the criminal activity that would be alleged here? And that seems to be what's gotten so much attention is that people are just now hearing, although we've been saying it since the beginning, that this conduct is unlawful. Not, right. not just that we think that Larry Krasner has not done a fine job as the district attorney, but he has conducted himself in unlawful ways, which Justice Doherty from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court pointed out in his opinion of the Pound All case.
0: And just to be clear, you don't think he's done an outstanding job as the prosecutor in
2: Philadelphia? I, I, he he <laughs> warrants removal from office, and that is the remedy that we're seeking in this impeachment.
1: Can you tell us some more about the Pound Pownall case that uh, you're um, basically, I guess, hanging your arguments on?
2: Well, it's, uh, Linda, that's a, a great question, but it's not just Pownall, and I can go through other instances too. But the Pownall case is perhaps the best example. Um, that's in, I believe, um, Article 3 of the Articles of Impeachment. Officer Pownall was engaged in a lawful shooting. Um, the PPD internal investigation came to the conclusion that was lawful. The district attorney's office conducted its own investigation through an expert that it had retained. They came to the conclusion that it was lawful, did not release that report to Pownall or his lawyers, went to the grand jury anyway with um, a, a less than honest complaint, done by a Philadelphia police officer who is going to be a witness of ours at trial that says he relied on information that came from the district attorney's office that was not truthful. Um, So they went to the grand jury, didn't tell them the truth, and then also didn't tell the grand jury that in Pennsylvania, it is a defense against a murder charge for an officer to use deadly force in certain situations. Read none of that law to the grand jury, none of it. And then went to court didn't tell the court about the misrepresentations they had in front of the grand jury. Went to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court by way of a motion in limine, um, asking them to strike down the lawful use of force defense that was available to Officer Powell, so the jury would never hear it. Which of course is itself another moment of misconduct. When Justice Doherty got a hold of all this at the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, he wrote a scathing opinion, which is the underlying fact pattern of Article Three, which I of course, read in front of the Pennsylvania Senate. We've since talked to many of those witnesses, and we're ready to prove that case. It is a crime in the state of Pennsylvania to use your official office to suppress or oppress someone's legal rights. It's called official oppression under Title 18, or conspiracy to do that, or solicitation to do that. In other words, telling one of your subordinates to go do certain things. So, you know, the, the fact that Article three may right now read that this violates certain tenets of law, including ethics violations, is to put your hands over your eyes and pay no attention to the underlying conduct. And that's exactly what we clearly stated in our appeal that we filed last night.
1: And you're saying this is a pattern of conduct, too, right?
2: Absolutely. Um, So in the Wharton case, which is the next article of impeachment, it is a federal death sentence case. Um, where Mr. Wharton sits on death row, the district attorney's office tried to go in and and, um, make the case that Mr. Wharton should no longer be put to death. And in so doing made a number of misrepresentations. They also did nothing to contact the Wharton family, I'm sorry, the family of the victim that Mr. Wharton killed. And they had been involved in the case before Larry Krasner came into office, When Judge Goldberg started figuring out that he wasn't getting the truth about Wharton's conduct in federal prison, like, for example, that he had tried to escape, um, he had the attorney general's office of Pennsylvania look into the district attorney's representations in his federal court and came to the conclusion that Larry Krasner was lying to him and ordered Larry Krasner to write letters of apology to the victim's family. Those are all crimes.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah using your official office to oppress someone else's um, legal rights in Pennsylvania constitutes a crime under Title 18. And that's what I
1: intend to prove. So this is more than just not prosecuting the drug, the um, gun cases, right? Way more.
2: And, And that's not even a part of the articles of impeachment. I mean, that's, that's what, you know, the, the local press might have you believe. But you know, this isn't an instance of people disagreeing with the manner in which he's conducting himself in office, right. These are actual allegations of misconduct in using his office.
0: So tell me if you could explain what it is specifically you are appealing. Are you appealing the way that this the the Krasner uh, complaint was adjudicated? Or are you saying it never got a fair hearing? I'm not quite clear on that.
2: Oh, that's a great question. So and it requires a little bit of a rewind. So when we came out of um, about the November timeframe, while last year's legislative session was still in session, um, I walked the articles of impeachment along over to the Pennsylvania Senate and read them out loud. Not long after that, Krasner filed a complaint in the Commonwealth Court to have the, enti- the entirety of the articles of impeachment struck down. And he won on that. And the basis of that was the Commonwealth Court saying that none of the seven articles, articles of impeachment set out misconduct in office. And that's, that's back to the point I was making earlier, which is to say that they had to ignore the underlying conduct to come to that conclusion and rest on a technicality that we mentioned ethics rules in the middle of it. And they, they went straight there and says, well, you can't enforce the ethics rules. That's, that's for the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and the disciplinary board. So we are now taking an appeal from that lower court decision to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to reverse that determination. And if we win, we're back in the Senate and the trial will be back on.
1: OK, that, that's the answer to my next question is what happens next. So then the Senate would have to try him, right?
2: Correct. Well, I I would I would try him, and the Senate sits as as the jury. Okay, I'm the (laughs) head prosecutor for the impeachment.
1: Okay, gotcha. But then, what happens? Say the Senate um, upholds the impeachment. How do you remove him from office? Is there a mechanism for that?
2: So under the Pennsylvania Constitution, only the Pennsylvania House has the authority to impeach a public official. And we've already done that. He's been impeached. So now the impeachment goes to trial in the Senate. And if two thirds of the senators vote for removal, then he is removed from office. So the remedy is removal and it's the Senate that votes on that as the jury.
1: Okay, so what if he just says no? I mean, we're talking about Larry Krasner here he might just stay in office.
2: Well, I I don't know how he he wouldn't have any legal authority to do that. I mean, we'd file a writ of mandamus and get the court to compel him to leave. Um I mean, that would that would be the ultimate act of civil disobedience, I assume.
0: What do you say when people say to you, look, they had an election in Philadelphia. If that's who they want, they want Larry Krasner. Leave the guy alone. What's this got to do with you representing the people? in uh, Chester and Delaware counties?
2: So um, I have several responses to that, not the least of which is the the slippery slope there. So is, is that to suggest that once somebody's elected to office, they can't commit a crime or they can't misbehave while in office? Um, I, I think the answer to that's clearly no. I mean, we've, we've tried plenty of Pennsylvania and Philadelphia officials for um, their, their illegal activity. So being elected to office is not, um some sort of um cloak of immunity um, that's first and foremost and and the next is it relates to my county because i'm an i I'm a prosecutor at heart. <laughs> you know I spent you know a tour of duty as a head prosecutor in the Marine Corps. I was the head prosecutor of the Marine Corps reserves the terrorism prosecutor um in the Department of justice, a violent crime prosecutor, and I was a terrorism lawyer. Uh, for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So I'm uniquely qualified to take this case forward. As for my constituents, the, the people in the Delaware Valley Journal readership area are directly impacted by Philadelphia violence, right. directly. And and my district sits on the Delaware border. So we're caught between Wilmington and Philadelphia. And you know, I, you, you think about where the tourism economy of Pennsylvania flows through, it's Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia. And right now um, it is not a safe place to be. And that directly ties to Larry Krasner's refusal to prosecute gun cases and his illegal conduct.
0: We had a uh, poll come out last week uh, before President Biden showed up showing that he's not nearly as popular today as he was in 2020 when he ran for re-election. I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on that from talking to voters, et cetera, about how they feel about things are going broadly. Um, I guess, you know,
2: I, I would separate that just like I have in my own elections. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, we're, we're separating ourselves a bit from, you know, the impeachment stuff and and talking general politics. Exactly. Um, That I, I am able to bifurcate the world. There is this, this sense of um, unrest, unhappiness, displeasure with national politics. And when we get back home, people understand that that my representation of them Is predominantly local. Like, I'm very interested in making their quality of life at home the best that I possibly can. And then we have to go wrestle with these statewide issues in Harrisburg. So, you know, what I get at home are um, people unhappy with roads, um, people, you know, having an electrical fire in their house and how they get a claim settled. And that's what I've been working on this week. Um, I, I mean, those are the problems that I'm working on. And when it comes to Biden and whoever might be running against them, that is such a a foment of emotion that's unfortunately fed by social media that most of us try to get distance from that. Right. Right. Um, and I, I don't mean distance from the politics and the answer of it, but from our personal happiness. Right? It's like, it's like, I, I, I find, I find so much more, effectiveness in my communication and my representation to remind people that I'm I'm their neighbor and I'm trying to make their home life much better. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that as the, what I call the food fight keeps happening at the top of the ticket, right. people become con- consistently less happy. Right. And, and they get an opportunity to voice it online. They become even more unhappy because they get to wallow in that unhappiness. Um, so I'm not surprised. But I'm not that the, I'm not sure that the presidential election next year is going to make them happier.
0: Uh, one last question for you. Uh, we asked, obviously, the four counties are you know pretty blue when you put them in aggregate on a presidential election and you know tend to trend towards Biden. But we asked, do you want President Biden to run again in 2024? And 53 percent said no. Only a third, 33 percent said they want him to run again. So obviously, even among Democrats, it's a pretty strong split. Does that surprise you?
2: Um Yeah, I would, su- I would suppose that it does. So, again, if we're aggregating and taking out Philadelphia, right, exactly the just the suburbs, right, if you're if you're aggregating, I would guess that you're somewhere between 6040 and 5545 right. in terms of your party splits, which tells me that um, a good 20 to 30% of Democrats, I'm sorry, half Right. Almost half of the That's Democrats right. are not wanting the sitting president to run for reelection, um, which I would think spells trouble for them. Um, it spells trouble, especially if a third party moderate candidate gets in the race. Right. Those just disaffected Democrats will tend in that direction. Republicans will not. Um, and. I, I Yeah. I, and, the, and then my follow up question to them would be so if not biden then who
0: exactly well i want you to know that uh, as soon as we're done here i'm sending your resume to the no labels organization so they can consider you for the ticket president or vice president in 2024 what do you think
2: um yeah no i'm i'm a, <laughs> I'm a pretty ardent republican um and and will be
0: <laughs> well it's certainly working representative craig williams we really appreciate your time absolutely thank you much so I appreciate uh, Representative Williams uh, chatting about the uh, new Delaware Valley Journal poll, which we kind of ambushed him <laughs> with Linda Stein. Uh, but uh, it was it was good it was interesting to get his reaction. I just want to run through some of the numbers and ask you about, you know, from what you hear in the community day to day. For example, I'm not surprised at all that. Fifty nine percent of the people in the four counties we cover think America's on the wrong track because national polls show consistently, but that between sixty and seven percent of Americans feel that way.
1: Um, you're probably right. It just, I feel that way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not a surprise that sixty four percent of people in the you know bluish corners of the uh, Delaware Valley Journal don't want Donald Trump to run again. Only 30 percent want him to run. But when only 33 percent want Biden to run. I mean, think about that. Trump's at 30. Biden's at 33. That's basically tied for the percentage of people that want you to run. And I think this is interesting. Fifteen percent said that they're unsure about Joe Biden. So 53 percent say no, don't run. Only a third say, yes, do run. You know what those 15 percent are saying, right? They're saying, I'm a Democrat. I don't want to say anything nice about Trump, but I really don't want to say I want Biden to run. So I would count them in the please don't run as well. That seems reasonable to me.
1: Well, I think they have a concern about Biden's age and yes. um, how he acts sometimes caught on camera.
0: Well, and and we asked that very question. We asked... Uh, if America were confronted with a crisis like a war or another pandemic, are you confident that president Biden would be physically and mentally up to the task? And, uh, just 44% said, yes, 48% said no. And another 9% are unsure. And I would once again, count that 9% too. There's a lot of social pressure to not say anything that could be viewed in any way as pro Trump. And for some people, you know, supporting Joe Biden is really not about supporting Joe Biden. It's not that they're against him. I'm, I'm, I'm just simply, you know, it's really about stopping Trump. That's, that's what the last election was about. And so I would suggest that most of that 9% who say they're unsure are also in the, I'm not, I don't think he's fit to, uh, to handle this task. And that's 44 to 48% in a, you know, in a place that he won by about 60, 40 in 2020, that's uh, that's not a good number.
1: Well, do you think any Democrat would have won in the Delaware Valley, be, given the level of uh, a strong dislike of uh, Donald Trump?
0: Yeah, I think uh, Democrats were going to do pretty well in the in southeastern PA, uh, regardless of who's at the top of the ticket. It's the rest of the state that where it's more interesting. And, you know, uh, that uh, profound political pundit, Senator John Fetterman, you may have seen uh, Linda Stein said earlier this week that he thinks that Trump will be formidable in Pennsylvania if he's the nominee, because Trump has a way of talking to the sort of uh, blue collar, non-college educated, you know, working class voters who in the past were a bulwark for the Democratic Party and now have been trending Republican.
1: That's true. And he also mentioned seeing uh, that Trump signs are still up. And mm-hmm. I have noticed that in places myself, particularly in um, the western part of Montgomery County and also some places mm-hmm. uh, driving over into Bucks County. So it's interesting.
0: And uh, just a reminder of just how strong the Democratic brand is in southeastern Pennsylvania. After all those numbers I gave you, you might think, wow, well, Biden might be in some trouble in Buckchester, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery. Uh, no, we asked if the election were held today, who would you vote for, Biden or Trump? Easily Biden. But instead of being 60-40, it's now 50% Biden, 39% Trump, 10% undecided. So uh, that's, you know, obviously it's still a win, but the problem for Democrats, if Trump really were able to keep Biden around 50% in Southeastern Pennsylvania, it would be tough for Democrats to make up those votes in the center part of the state where Trump is likely to do well. And uh, that could put uh, 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 Pennsylvania at risk for Democrats. We also asked if it were Trump and DeSantis and the numbers are almost identical. 50% Trump, 37% DeSantis, 13% undecided. So, uh, those numbers make Republicans happy, not because they want to lose, but, you know, it's just like Democrats know they're going to lose the more rural areas in the center part of the state. They know they're going to lose the you know uh, energy sector part of the state. They need to make up those votes in Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania. I mean, Philadelphia. True. And then the last question, and I thought this was kind of interesting, once again, because of the importance of energy uh, the energy economy in Pennsylvania, but the ongoing fight over the energy infrastructure in Southeastern Pennsylvania. You know, a lot of people saw us Democrats elected to Harrisburg specifically to fight uh, the uh, Mariner pipeline project. There's a lot of, uh, you know, push for green energy and uh, a lot of anti-fossil fuel sentiment, at least in the public conversation, but how do the actual voters feel? And so we asked, do you, appre-? and then, once again, we, this poll, was taken just before president biden came back to philadelphia for which trip was it uh linda was his 437th trip to philly since became- something something like that <laughs> he, he really loves coming to philly That's that's true um we said uh do you approve or disapprove of president biden's handling of energy policy like the keystone pipeline and gas prices uh, only 37 percent once again here in the blue southeastern corner of pennsylvania only 37 percent approve forty six percent disapproved 17 percent were unsure and that's a that's a pretty amazing number among uh independent or unaffiliated voters Trump uh, Trump Biden is underwater by 10 points on energy policy only 29 percent approve, 39 percent disapprove and then 32 percent said they're unsure And once again I think that has to do with the you know the desire to not be on the same side of the political table as Donald Trump in a place where, you know, Trump has not performed well. So I, I thought it was a fascinating poll. You can find it at DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.